Greetings to you all in the name of Jesus. Welcome to Agape Fellowship where we study God's word verse by verse. It gives us great joy to be a part of God's great big family and to read and learn from his word together. We are going to study the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel, as we all know, means good news. This book is God reconnecting with man after about 400 years of silence after the time of Malachi. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament and one of the four Gospels written. Matthew was a tax collector and renounced his worldly ways to follow Jesus. He was an educated Jew and this book is written for the Jews who were aware of the Old Testament prophecies. Let us stay tuned to learn more of what this book has to say about the life and times of the people who waited for the Messiah. Welcome everybody. Um, we are going to start a new um, chapter, ch new series, a new book. Um, last time someone had asked me, I was uh, still thinking through last Friday, what should I teach next? Um, and um, for some reason, um, the book, the Gospel of Matthew came to mind uh, that I would teach from the Gospel of Matthew. It's been a while. The last time we did a gospel was 10 years ago, and that was the Gospel of John. We started our study uh, with the Gospel of John, and I figured it was about time that we went back to a gospel, took a refresher's course from the Master's feet, and then we would go back to listening to others. So I figured that uh, the book of Matthew would be an appropriate place to begin um, uh, another review of the gospel portions. So um, it's not usual that uh, people jump into the gospel of Matthew, uh, but uh, it is uh, a very relevant book for us uh, in the sense that it is the bridge that uh, brings the old and the new together. Um, Matthew's gospel is considered a synoptic gospel. You've heard the word synoptic. Does anyone know what synoptic means? It's one of those things that theologians and the so-called higher critics will throw at you and you're like, what? What does that mean? I don't see it in the Bible. Does anybody have any clue what that synoptic means? And if you make a dumb mistake, don't worry. It's just us. <laughs> it's uh, not important. I, I, I know it means Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. forget why, why it means Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Anyone else? Frank, you want to go for it? My my answer was going to be the opposite. I know the book of John is not one of those. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. They're both right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to take a shot at that one? Uh, can you hear me, Anil? Yes, yes. Go I'm ahead, Maria. It has to do with the word synopsis, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke agree, and they're similar. And John yes. is different. Uh, yeah. You're closer. You're closer. Okay. Uh, anyone else? A general summary. General summary. Okay. Uh, isn't it how, yeah, how they coincide with each other? Right. right. I think everything that you guys said is true. Um, it is a, it's a word that means 
seen together or viewed together. Right, so in that sense, everything that you guys said is true. Uh, they are, uh, there's not exactly a synopsis, uh, but they they view together. The reason why they are said that and what Frank said, it's the not, is that these three books, that's Matthew, um, Mark, and Luke, they have many stories, many events that cross through all their themes. In that sense, they are considered uh, synoptic. Uh, they have many, many different things that are similar to each other. The authorship, as you know, um, you probably know, uh, is the author of this is Matthew, or Levi, the tax collector. Um, he was one of the uh, disciples of Christ, that Christ called him, and he left his table and just walked. He said, I quit, and he walked. And uh, so uh, Matthew became one of Jesus' disciples, and he is the one who wrote this letter. Um, this is dated uh, around 50 to 60 A.D., uh, there are different reasons uh, for saying that, but that's where it's been fixed, about 50 to 60 AD. Uh, we, there are a couple of places that they say this could have been written. One is obviously Judea, uh, where the church was growing in the 50s and 60s. Um, and another view is that it could be the uh, church near Antioch, Antioch in Syria, uh, could be another location uh, where this book could have been written. Some have debated that the book was originally uh, written in Hebrew or Aramaic and then later uh, translated into Greek. Uh, the reason they say that is one, it is so close um, historically um, to the Old Testament scriptures. So close meaning, it's li like I said, it's literally like a bridge. Um, that connects the ties the old with the new and it's a perfect bridge and that's why uh, the uh, in the early church this was the first gospel that was studied and that was the first book in the group of books that people uh, read back then um, and the other reason is it the Greek it's a very high quality Greek, not the Koine Greek. That's the one that all the other books are written in. This one is like a super class Greek, a very literate Greek, a high class uh, Greek quality. And so um, because of that quality difference with the rest of the books, they think that someone actually afterwards took the Hebrew or Aramaic and then rewrote it in Greek for the rest of us to consume. Now, remember, uh, Matthew was an educated man. He was a tax collector. I think that he could probably have written it in that, that, that uh, I could. agree. Yes, he could have. He could have. So that's why I said there is a debate. It's not a settled uh, argument. Uh, so there are those that what Nell said is another one, that he's, he's a scribe. He's a tax collector. He's an educated man. So he could have written it himself because he's highly qualified. Um, or it could have been the other way. It doesn't matter. One way or the other, uh, we get the gospel uh, from uh, the book of uh, from Matthew. Um, Matthew's gospel, if you can imagine, was the favorite gospel uh, of the early church. Can anyone say why? Why it was the favorite of the early church? It wasn't Mark, it wasn't Luke. John was written many years later, uh, but it wasn't Mark or Luke, but this one was it. 
uh, any idea. Well, the, the, the very early church was was Jewish. Exactly. And, and so uh, that that was a, uh, like you said, it. A bridge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, because it said, you know, this is the Messiah that was prophesied in the old and he's come to fulfill it. So it was a perfect bridge to the other side for those that were believing um, Jewish uh, people. This was just a perfect bridge over uh, to the New Testament era. Um, higher critics uh, have debated its origins and sources and things, um, but as I read these higher critics, I've read many of them, um, none of them seem to really give me any reason to believe any point that they make. Um, I'll give you one of the things that they talk about. They say that Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel came after Mark's gospel, and that's why Matthew has many themes uh, from the Markan, they call it the Markan gospel. Uh, and so also Luke borrowed a lot from the Markan gospel. And that's those are kinds of nonsense that they ban, uh, banter around. Uh, it really doesn't make any sense for anyone uh, that believes in the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, none of their arguments fly with me because of one simple verse and let me just read that out this is john 14 25 26 these things i have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i said to you now, if you are a believer, and if two of us agree on certain things, then it is because the Holy Spirit has put those things in remembrance into our minds. Uh, you may narrate the same thing as I do, but you would have your own view of looking at it, and I would have a different view of looking at it. And so it is with the Gospels, is that the different authors wrote it based on their view, and they all saw those events, and they all considered them to be important events, but they picked up different parts of the same topic. Um, for example, uh, feeding uh, of the 5,000. Um, now, you would see that in the Gospels. Now, one of them would say it one way, another one would say it another way. Why is that? Uh, because they saw their their personalities. God doesn't quell your personality. God doesn't snuff out your personality uh, when you become a believer. God uses your personality exactly the way you are in order to give his word. And that's the beauty part of God's work in each one of us. Uh, each one of us is unique, but each one of us brings our own twist, our own way of looking at things. And God is glorified in, in the, the way that we look at things and different ways we look at things. And we bring together the harmony. And none of us are disputing each other. However, we bring together a collective three or multidimensional view uh, of the same event. Our cameras are typically, let's say, two-dimensional. Uh, you got a length, you got the height perception and the length perception. Depth person is, the perception is not that great, but we sort of get it a little bit. Imagine if it was a 3D camera, you would get a depth perception. So also, let's say we had a fourth dimension, a time dimension, let's say we were able to somehow insert into the camera, then what would you see? You would see a person change over time in that one snapshot. Uh, those are things that you get from multi-dimensional view of an event. Imagine the same thing with 
three different authors looking at the same thing. You get a multi-dimensional, four different authors with John's gospel added on. You get four different cameras looking at the same person. So what do you get? You get a fantastic multi-dimensional view of this person called Christ Jesus. Now let's go ahead. Um, it's been a while since I wrote it, but I wrote a play uh, that's set in heaven after John has died. Okay. And the, the, uh, Jesus has the disciples for dinner, and they tell about what they did uh, up until that point. Okay. And, uh, I, f I forget the the documentation that I had for it, but um, I think I have Matthew as writing the first gospel, and uh, he wrote it from from Jerusalem, and he actually gave a copy to uh, Thomas, who took it to India. Hmm. You know, there 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 are. Uh, church is church history that supports that but i forget what it was right so just so that you know uh i come from that tradition um we trace our roots back to the thomas uh, the apostle who came to india started the church in india and that's how many of us trace our roots back our christianity uh traces its roots back to them so in that sense you're right and thomas did uh, arrive in india and he died there actually um, so coming back to this point, um, so the, the Holy Spirit uses multiple authors to reveal different things in a four-dimensional way um, so that we can get a better perception of who this Christ Jesus is. So what does Matthew's gospel contain? And again, I'm just giving you a high-level summary. We'll go into details as we go along. Uh, Matthew's gospel confirms, first of all, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. How does he confirm it? You're gonna see over and over again, prophecies being fulfilled. Um, that is the way that Matthew confirms that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. Number two, he confirms that Jesus has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. It's very important, and this is something that is important. And as we are coming to the end of days, and as we get closer and closer to the time of God's arrival, uh, you are going to see it's going to become more evident and clearer that Christ did not come to start a new religion. He has only one religion, that is him trying to save all of humanity, and that's it. It is the rest, it's after the second century that this thing called churchianity or Christianity, whatever you want to call it, uh, came into being. Until then, there was no such concept of this breakaway, this whole set of, uh, you know, its own sets of doctrines. And you're going to see many of these things come to surface and you're going to have to struggle with it. And that's part of your learning and my learning to struggle with it, to say, I reject this garbage because it's not in scriptures. Many, many doctrines, in fact, we're going to see a couple of them today, if we get to it tonight, um, that came because we unplugged from the fatness of the Jewish dump. All of scripture, that is when I say scripture, the Old Testament, that is scripture. And the New Testament is a review, a confirmation of the old, saying that Christ Jesus fulfilled it. And then Paul and the rest of the apostles are giving us a firm foundation to live our lives based on the truths of the old and how to conduct our lives in accordance to that. So we are going to see that one. So that he had come to fulfill the law and the prophets and not to start a new religion. So all of this religion, it's complete nonsense. I don't prescribe to it and neither should you. And there's sufficient uh, 
information in the scriptures for us to understand that Jesus is the Messiah and we are his followers. Finally, and then the third point is Jesus is in the likeness of a prophet, Moses. That is another confirmation that he wanted to say. And by the way, that is very important. We seldom think about it. Um, he comes in the likeness. I'd like for one of you to read Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 19. Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. Right. Thank you. So he, Moses is prophesying about a prophet to come who would be in his likeness. He would, he would hear the voice of the Lord and then he would speak the voice of the Lord. So that's the prophet. So he's talking about these prophesying far ahead about a Messiah yet to come. And in his likeness, in how so in Moses' likeness? First of all, Moses was an intercessor. Uh, so also was this prophet who was going to be an intercessor. And he was going to be a high priest. Uh, he was going to stand in God's presence face to face, just as Moses did. He was going to be a miracle worker. Uh, in these ways, it was going to be in the likeness of Moses. So there was Matthew uh, confirming that this is the prophet that Moses had spoken about. And finally... Matthew's gospel is a manual for discipleship. It's a handbook for the church that is undergoing persecution. It has lengthy discourses on discipleship. You will see many of them as we go along. It makes demands of the believers and it demands believers to come to obedience and become disciples. And then, as you know, it's in Matthew's gospel. We have the great commission. What does he say? Not go and convert people, but to what? Make disciples. It's very important that Christ is calling us to that same work. He's first calling us to become his disciples and then for us to become disciple makers. Disciple making is a long-term prospect. It's one of those things that is never on TV. It's never on any of the broadcast networks. It's none of that. It goes silent. It's a very silent, quiet thing that goes on behind the scene for many, many, many years. And then all of a sudden, righteousness comes in the hearts of people. Uh, that is discipleship making. It is not a, a you know, bright, shiny spot. and You're not going to get the limelight. But God is not calling us to the limelight. God is calling us to obedience, uh, servant leadership, and to just simply walk with him as he disciples us in his image. So it's a quiet, silent walk. So Matthew's gospel, now you know why Matthew was a big favorite of the early church. That was an interesting introduction to the gospel of Matthew. There is so much to understand about the people, the time period, the author, and a lot of other things that helps us to understand scripture more. 
Though written over 2000 years ago, this book has much to teach us about living our lives today. Hope you are blessed by this study and please join us for the next episode as we start reading from chapter 1.